podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving. At your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Well, a hat-trick of brilliant days at the SCG. Usman Khawaja lit the ground up with his second century of the match. He joins an illustrious group of Australian batters to score Two centuries against England in an Ashes contest. Welcome to Cricket Daily. It's the SCG Day 4. I'm Menas. I'm with Paul Dennett. Paul, how are you? G'day, Menas. G'day, everyone. Well, if it wasn't the first innings, it wasn't enough. Now the second innings. Uh, what a what a test match from Usman Khawaja. Uh, it was a joyous day. I think um, the, you know, even um, Chris Close, the former Queensland uh, State of Origin legend, I just thought sending out a tweet saying, good on your Uzi. I think everyone in Australia is uh, delighted for him, with the possible exception of Marcus Harris. Um, so, yes, it's um, it's a triumphant day. And maybe Cipelli. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it is one of the worst things, as you know, if you make a prediction, it's just, you know, you don't know whether it's going to be right or wrong. And when it goes wrong, it's uh, it's a weird thing to suddenly find yourself death-riding things that you never thought you would. Like, I've been desperate for it not to rain because I've been telling everyone it's not going to. And so... It's become a, a matter of personal pride for me that it doesn't rain in Sydney. It's crazy. Uh, so uh, Australia started the day uh, bowling. They cleaned up England for 294. Then Australia made six for 265, declared. England are none for 30. It stumps had a tricky little period there of about 40 minutes um, before the close of play. So it's all set up tomorrow. Australia need... 10 wickets to go 4-0 up in the series. England need two sessions of rain or to bat out the day. And fancifully, their target is 358, which is virtually impossible unless someone like Josh Butler plays out of their skin. Um, so, Paul, start of the day. Let's go there to kick things off. My start of the day is eight. And that is the number of test matches. So uh, everyone's been saying that this will... Not everyone, but I've certainly been saying that Usman Khawaja <laughs> in this series has now scored more runs than Marcus Harris, with the obvious uh, point being this is the only match he's played in this series, whereas Marcus Harris is into his fourth match in the series. But I, I wound it back because Khawaja, having scored 238 runs uh, in this series, I thought, how far back do you have to go to um, equal that with um, Marcus Harris? And it's... You've got to go eight full test matches for him to have that many runs. So, um, you know, nothing against Marcus Harris. As I said before, I didn't think it was – it wasn't the player I would have picked, but his record is sound and his record in recent years is better than sound. So, you know, there, there was some justification in picking him. But I think that you can't not pick Travis Head. He's played fantastically in this series. I would never have even contemplated not picking Cameron Green, but his innings today – has surely put to bed any of those any of that speculation. So to say, oh, well, we can't pick Kawaja because Harris is a specialist opener and we've got to give him the full five test matches, it's just stupid. Um, and if, if that's what they do, then they're idiots. 
Mm, yeah, uh, Kawaja was asked about that in the post-match presser and he seems pretty resigned to the fact that he, he might not um, retain his spot. He also said that, you know, opening is very different to batting number five. I know you disagree with that. And, and he did say he likes the selectors showing consistency because he feels, you know, in the past, for example, he was on the wrong side where he was brought in and then dropped after a couple of games. So, uh, yeah, I agree with you. I think Harris um, needs to sit out the next test match. Uh, I'd even think about moving Manus up to open, Smith to three, Kawaja four, head five, green six. You know, I like the look of that. Manus, Manus has been in pretty early and handles the new ball fine. So, yeah, um, what do you think about that radical suggestion? I was going to make that as well, just so I could say we should send it into Ian Chappell because one of his, <laughs> um, <laughs> one of the great man's life rules is don't weaken a strength to strengthen a weakness. And so he would say, why would you move Manus Labashain from number three when he's doing so well there? Why would you move Steve Smith from number four when he's doing so well there? Because it doesn't matter. If, if Labashain opened the batting number three, it's no difference. Um, you know, you bat at number three, you're in at one for none half the time anyway. And look, I, I accept that batting, opening the batting and batting at number five is certainly not the same. Yes, up until recently, everyone has been saying that Kawhi is probably a better opener than he is number five anyway. That, he, you know, he, he gets to face the hard new ball, um, doesn't have to face the spinners so early, and, and etc. Look at this second innings where they're making big a big show of the fact that when Australia came out to bat, that because the heavy roller had been on, that it was going to be nice and flat for the first ten to fifteen overs. You know, the openers get that, and you know, no, no, no one ever comments on that. They always just say, "Oh, it's hard work being an opener." Um, sometimes it's hard work being at number five as well. That you you might have a spin at one end, bit of reverse swing. Um, so yeah, uh, I've always said. Batting order doesn't mean nothing, but it means a, a hell of a lot less than people the value that people give to it. The emperor has no clothes, and I can tell you, I'm, I'm not afraid to say so. <laughs> I, I think just in this particular situation, I think you could effectively move everyone up because Smith is a natural number three. Um, he's your best player, but so he should bat three. And then Labuschagne reminds me a bit of David Byrne. You could bat opener or three. It wouldn't really matter. They just play the same anyway. Um, I, anyway, yeah, I on. challenge you to give me any order of the top six, or the top seven, put them in any order and we can put a narrative together like that that supports it. Like you should open with Cameron Green and, and, um, Nation. and Alex no, Carey. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like, like right. I'm saying you, you, you can, it's just words. Of course you can say that um, someone looks a bit like that, but I don't disagree, but you could make a point. Oh, you know, Cameron Green looks like he's pretty solid. You should, should open up with him. Maybe, maybe you'll appreciate the hard new ball. It's just, you know, if you're good enough, you'll score runs, whether you're one, three, five, or seven. All right. I feel like, um, all right. So Kawaja was the sixth player to score two Ashes tons in the same match. Um, so uh, do you, it was it Warren one? Six what did Aussie. I say? Six, Six Aussie, yes. Warren, but was it Warren Bardsley? You must remember yep. that one. Nine and nine. Yeah, Arthur Morris, uh, famous left, left-handed opener. Uh, Steve Wars, ninety-seven, Old Trafford. Brilliant. Double, remember that well, staying up. I'm sure you did. Matty Hayden. Now, I actually don't remember where he did it. I know he, I heard that he did, but do you remember? I think it was Gabba. I think it was the Gabba in, in 023. But um, from memory, that was one of those test matches that Australia just absolutely destroyed. Um, destroyed. Yeah, I, th- I think we just blew them away. And I think you got a double, uh, a double in that. And then Steve so- Smith, obviously. Yeah, and there was a little conversation, actually, I forgot to tell you about. Um, Warner was having a little chat when he was in the Nets a few days ago about openers not getting enough credit. There was just a few people around the Nets 
um, Warner and Smith. And so he was having a chat with the people behind and he said, oh, you know, openers don't get enough credit. And we started going through the openers and I suggested, oh, Matt Hayden did pretty, you know, he, he like there's not a lot of openers with a record he's good as good as him for Australia. And I said, uh, Matt Hayden had a pretty good record. And he said, yeah, but I'd like to play against Bangladesh and Zimbabwe at home as well. Um, anyway, so. Water <laughs> said this, did he? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, it's a fair point. I mean, you know, give give the attiring Zimbabwe attack to Warner on the whacker, and he might have scored five hundred. Yeah, but I mean, you could say who did Warner get his triple century against um, a couple of years ago? Pakistan in the day nighter, absolutely. Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean, you can only play what's in front of you. Yeah, and it's not as though Hayden played a million Test matches against Bangladesh and, and Zimbabwe at home. It was like literally two Test matches against Zimbabwe at home that he ever played. Um, and probably two two against Bangladesh. It's not, you know, um, I, I think that there's no... The thing is, not many people have a better uh, record than Warner as opening batters because Warner's record is very, very good no matter, you know, how it stacks up. But, you know, Bob Simpson, Arthur Morris, uh, Bill Woodville, Bill Ponsford, um, and Matthew Hayden, they're all records of around about the same or better than Warner. Yeah, Michael Slade is almost there. Um, I agree. He's not in the uh, same class. And then the other, to, the other player, the other player to the to last score uh, two centuries in Nash's Test match for Australia. You were there, Edgbaston, twenty nineteen, Smudge. Steve Smith, one of the best performances of maybe maybe the best performance I've ever seen in a Test match. Um, yeah, one a wonderful thing to watch, and um, yeah, this one was pretty good as well. Well, I can see some questions coming in. We'll get to them. Um, just going back to the beginning of the day, Australia rock and rolled England. Uh, Besto was out for 113. Uh, not much of a resistance. Broad smashed 15. There was, um, they were talking in the commentary, Jonathan Agnew was saying that, um, you know, it's it's very clear Stuart Broad's swinging so he doesn't have to face the new ball that's due in a, in a couple of overs. Um, huh. uh, but Scott Boland, so he, he returned to the field after falling yesterday finishes with four for 36 when that innings ended and haven't seen uh, probably not now, but he had the best test bowling average in history at 8.27. I mean, Paul, I mean, how excited were you? I mean, were you, you, was your family wondering what the hell's going wrong with you? You know, you must've been sort of bouncing around. I mean, you've got, you know, Manus and Smith whose averages are, are fascinating enough, but then you add the best test bowling average in history. I mean, it's great. It's just that bowling averages are kind of ruined for me because of the the pitches being so bad before the First World War that any time someone's got a really, really good bowling average and you think, oh, they may be the best ever, you look back and there's all these names from the 1890s and whatever else that are that are better. So for him to be on top of all of that is is bloody impressive. I didn't actually know it. So you've um you've you've pleased me no end. You've pleased me yeah. no end. I don't. Um, well, that's good. Um, yeah, it's probably good. None for five. Um, at the end of the day. So it's probably not currently the best test average in history. Hopefully the Poms do us a favour and give a few wickets to him tomorrow. Um, so that carries over. Anything else that's um, – well, do you want me to do my good day, bad day? Yeah, then I've got a couple of other points. Um, good. You go first. So good day, Sam Billings. Um, so the story goes, yesterday he was due to fly back to London literally 90 minutes before the flight. Wow. He gets a call – uh, from the England team management, don't get on the flight. Instead, he has to drive down from the Sunshine Coast in a ute, which Aggers was surprised about. Uh, but in a ute, 
direct. And, he, you know, they didn't really want him to stop or anything because he's got to get to Sydney and then pass a PCR test. So, um, yeah, that, that happened today. He drove down today. Did it have to be in a ute? Like just a, like a, a sedan was not acceptable. It had to be. Well, it was it was in a ute, and okay. I guess we'd have given an Aussie a Mercedes or something. Um, <laughs> but I don't know how many hire cars there are at the moment. It's peak holiday season. Um, so yeah, so that good to, day, um, Sam Billings. Does he have to drive all the way down and then like swim across back back straight? Or are you allowed to get a plane after that? No, I think he's joined the. Um, okay. He's joined the party here. He has a PCR test. When that comes back clear, he he's, he joins the party. So he might actually keep, and we'll get to that. And my, so that's my good, and my other good day is Jeff Lawson in the BT commentary box. I, I know Lawson can be a little bit cantankerous like Chappelle, but I really enjoy Jeff Lawson's insights. I actually think he's quite a brilliant cricket mind. So a good day to see him in the commentary box. I've always thought he's a very good commentator and that it was a mistake by ABC to get rid of him. I thought that, um, you know, th- their commentary box would be far better if they had him back. Th- they should have found a way to get Tim Lane back as well. Um, I mean, uh, that, um, you know, t- to me, by the way, Tim Lane, once again, um, commentator of the summer. He's, he's peerless in Australian commentators. He's so far above them all. Uh, and the fact that Michael Atherton has joined Channel 7 as well, I'm very impressed with Channel 7 standard of commentary that, that, it is really good. You throw in Ponting and Alison Mitchell and Trent Copeland's doing well and there's many of them as, that, are, that, are, that are pretty good. No one really annoys me too much, I don't think. Um, uh, but, yeah, Tim Lane, he's the best. Yeah, no, I really like Tim Lane and he's he's been on Cricket Unfiltered a couple of times. Terrific fellow. Um, and so good day, uh, Lawson and Billings. Bad day, Alex Carey. I don't know what Pat Cummins was doing, but he's got to sort out this declaration. So... Green gets out going for his 100 for a very good uh, 74. And I guess we should, we'll talk about that in a moment. But he gets out and you're thinking declaration. But no, you see Alex Carey walk out. He then gets out bizarrely caught down leg side, Ollie Pope, who was keeping for Butler for a golden duck. And then Cummins declares. So it's like, why, did, why didn't you just declare when Green got out? Yeah, it's a bit weird. Oh, yeah. I hope it's because you just didn't want Leach to get a hat-trick. <laughs> yeah, just stuff him. And the weird thing is, I think this is there's a theme here because Kawaja was asked about the declaration. He said there was a weird thing where he was told on the second day that Australia was actually going to bat the rest of the day and then declare the next morning. So Kawaja didn't have a slog on the second afternoon. And then he got out and Cummins declared and Kawaja said, well, if I'd known you were declaring, I'd have had a slog. And Cummins went, I changed my mind. Um, so, yeah, I mean, Cummins is a, a you know inexperienced captain. He'll get better at it. But I, I think he won't today Cummins was wrong. They all get it right. right. But- he, won't get, he won't get better at it then, according to Paul. I mean, I think he'll just become more decisive. Whether it's right or wrong, I think, you know, telling your players, you know, at least tell your players, like, when you think you're going to declare so they can have a slog. Anyway, so that was bad day, Alex Carey. Poor bastard, um, you know. Get, just gets sent out, gets a golden duck, and then they declare on him. What I mean in terms of him not getting better is that they always fail to accelerate as much as they should. That if Australia knew that they are going to be declaring at XYZ time, Kawaja and Green were going along at a decent clip, but they weren't going at T20 clip. Green completely defended a ball, um, a few balls before he got out. They, they should have been absolutely pummeling the ball into the stands from an hour beforehand and, and ended up getting... Um, giving themselves an extra 20 minutes or half an hour to bowl in England with with plenty of runs in the bank to not have to worry about England chasing them down. 
All right. Well, I disagree slightly. I, I think well, they played you, it perfectly. You don't, want, you don't think they should play to win? I think they played it perfectly. Kawaja went at a strike rate of 73. It wasn't that easy batting. It was in that last little bit when, you know, they had Milan and, and Root um, and Leach bowling. But, you know, Green 74 off 122. He accelerated. He was, you know, he's having a tough run at Test cricket. I, I think they left themselves plenty of time. I think it was a – I mean, at one point Australia was – Four for 86. Yeah, Warner, Harris, Labashane and Smith were all back in the pavilion. And, and Australia actually were sort of could have been bowled out for 150 and at least opened the door for England. So I think it was a, a great partnership. That's a different yeah, part of saying, the game. Yeah, but then I'm they accelerate. In the yeah, last hour, about, they, they scored very quickly. They did. But if they knew that they are going to declare at a certain time or that they, that they wanted a certain amount of overs, surely with half an hour to go before that, that's when they could have gone absolutely full bonkers T20 mode. Stark out there as well, hitting six after six and declare earlier than they otherwise would have, still in the safe in the knowledge that England couldn't get the runs by themselves an extra few overs. Well, I think that's why I think Cummins has got to be clear about it because I think he obviously didn't tell the batters that because it, everyone thought he was going to declare when Kawaj got his 100 and then it seemed like he just sort of had a quick think and thought, well, Green, have a slog at the spinners, and if you can get your first test 100 in the next few overs. But uh, anyway, I, I see your point. You've got you, – clarity is important, you know, because yeah. I think you. I think if Cummins said that, we're declaring in half an hour, you're right. They'd just start trying to hit them onto the Bill O'Reilly Hill. Which is um, impressive so yeah. that Carey at least had a go. Like he had a slog at his – not a slog, but he was playing a very aggressive shot to that mm. first ball. It's quite selfless. Mm. So what else jumped out to you today? Any talking points? Um, yeah, I had two points. I think I've forgotten one of them. But um, the <laughs> that's the danger with my brain. If I don't say them straight away, they go out the door. Um, one of them was uh, Ollie Pope, of course. Um, I know he, he does do keeping, but, um, geez, you know, it's such a tough job. You would have thought he would have been terrible, but he, he kept better than any of the other England keepers have so far, um, much in the way that a person who's never done pole vault, pole vault before wouldn't be able to pole vault. Um, but so yeah. did you know he that was a record today? So he took his fourth catch. He equals the record for a subfielder. Um, and there's Eunice Khan took four catches against Bangladesh in 2001. Ritterman Saha did the same thing last year when he was subbing on for Pant. But Pope took a couple of really good dismissals. The Carey one down the leg side, and who was it he caught behind? Um, but Harris, I can't, I can't, Harris, yeah, terrific catch. I mean, Butler wouldn't have got near that. It would have been four buys or four runs. Sorry. Maxwell would have taken it though. Um, Easy. The, the, um, Easy. Swallowed it. The, um, the the slightly cheapening thing about that stat is that until 2017, you weren't allowed to sub on as a wicketkeeper. So um, it's only the last few years that really that that, that, that sort of became a possibility. Um, uh, go on. next point. No, no, next point. I agree. I for, uh, if, if it comes to me, I'll say it, it was a good one. All rest right. assured. All right. Stay tuned. What a tease. <laughs> Best in the business. Um, I um, I um, two things. Mark Wood bowled really well today. He's a competitive um, person, and yeah, he's the one player that's won some respect. I have to say, Anderson looked every bit his age, thirty nine. It took him about three overs to warm up in his second spell today. Um, he just uh, didn't look didn't look sharp. And I know his record is infinitely better in the first innings, but I just wonder. I know he's a on English wickets, he's probably worth persisting with, but he, he did really lag. And I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's a pink ball in Hobart, so they'll they'll play him. But he just looked a shot duck today. What I was disappointed with was 
was Joe Root's captaincy in the um, when Australia were batting in the second time round that he, he had to realise that the only way that England had any chance that yes they could theoretically still draw it and if the rain comes in maybe they will but in order to win the game which is what they should have been aiming for they needed to bowl Australia out for you know 130 or something like that to chase down 250 and yet I, I actually wrote a note of it that it was as as early as the um, 10th or the 11th over that um, he had Leach and Wood on with field spread to Leach. And one of the overs, they took just um, a, a, sing, a run off every ball, the Australians, risk-free. Um, right at, Even right at the start, I think it was the first ball of the innings, Harris nicked one through a vacant third slip region. And, and Michael Vaughan on Foxtel said, what's the point? Like, why wouldn't you have in three slips now? That's what I don't understand. That uh, England, you said at the start, have a, um, you know, a theoretical total tomorrow of, um, what is it, 300 and... 50 they still need? Yeah, 58 or something. The sad thing is if it was 258, you could probably still add theoretical in front of it. The way that Joe Root sort of acts, the only way they'd ever go for a total is if they get to T and they're only two down, or as you say, if Ben Stokes comes out and thinks, well, I might as well slog. They're never going to actually actively go for a total that's anything above about two and over. And, uh, yeah, I found that uh, particularly disappointing uh, yet again from from him as a captain. They might as well shoehorn Owen Morgan into Owen Morgan into the role if they're gonna uh, have a chance in the future. Yeah the only intensity was coming from Wood. Broad, Anderson flat, Leach is not that dangerous. So uh yeah you're right. Australia as I said you had four for 86. You know, England had a chance there to maybe run through Australia and um they didn't take it because they didn't have the the troopers to do it. Stokes can't bowl which obviously obviously leaves them a bit short. Um all right, I've got two bits of news. Anything else? No, you go. Uh, so, um, you know, it's been confirmed Josh Hazelwood won't be available for the next test match. And uh, the England um, media team have released statements about Butler and Bairstow's hand injuries and that basically they've had scans, but we're going to release the information at the end of the test match. So that doesn't augur well. You would think, you know, they won't both. They won't probably both won't be available for the next match. There was a, a th- uh, there was some footage of Bearstow's um, thumb that had been strapped up with some yeah. So who knows? But I don't think we'll see them in the next Test match. Yeah, we we're talking about it in the last um, one of these podcasts. How we're sort of saying the wheels are falling off. The only thing yet to happen is a a, a sort of a glut of injuries <laughs> afflicting the side, and unfortunately, <laughs> that's now. It's like, you know, it's it's a full 1990s tour now. Yeah, um, definitely. All right, so oh, Ciappelli watch. Okay, so a bit of <laughs> Ciappelli gold from today. So he was he was talking about batters that uh, – no, he was talking about Mark Waugh's catch off in Zamam al-Haq at first oh. slip in the 99 um, <laughs> You should match. make this a Q&R. You should make it – I've got to guess what he said. <laughs> <laughs> and then, then he talks about Inzi. Oh, he would have walked off so slowly. Um, you know, he was bloody so slow getting off the pitch. And he was talking with someone else. And then and then he goes, yeah, the only time Indy got off the pitch quick was that time in Toronto when he wanted to whack the bloke for calling him a potato. <laughs> I wouldn't have got that. But was he? <laughs> yeah, some classic Chappelle. And he was trending on Twitter again today. Yeah, so it's like a, it's all the time now. All right, questions. All right, let's start with Martin Lawrence. Apart from possible rain, Paul, do you see England getting out of Sydney with a draw? 
Where'd you see the Paul in that question? I was I was adding that for the people. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, if it, so, if we're assuming that they get the full um, complement of overs in tomorrow, can England draw it? I think if they get the full complement of overs, Australia really should win it. The only thing is that, I mean, it's a strange sport. It's um, about a year ago that that India managed to get a draw at the SCG when Vahari and Ashwin um, managed to bat the the afternoon out. Australia. Didn't look quite as threatening as I thought they might in that little spell tonight, just before just before stumps. But I would strongly expect that if rain doesn't save England, that Australia will win it. But you just never know. I'm tipping an Australian win. I think we'll do it. Usman Khawaja said there's a little patch where the balls have kind of been rising. So I think that'll play into the batter's um, um, thought process. So I can see Australia getting the win. Um, all right. Another question from Martin. Did Australia wait too long to declare? I think they got it pretty right. Yeah, I think that it wasn't too too bad. I think that it moves quite quickly, that if they had declared, say, 10 overs earlier and then, you know, they might have got 50 runs in those last 10 overs, suddenly the equation shifts from England having to bat amazingly to win it to suddenly, actually, if they bat the day out, they possibly will win it. So notwithstanding my earlier remarks about my general frustration about how they don't go berserk right at the end. I think on, on the whole, the declaration was fairly okay. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. All right. So this is from Michael. So last night, Paul wasn't happy with the words from Stark. What does he think of all the smiley, happy chats every single day between the Aussies and the Poms pregame for everyone to see? I've made that um, sound legend proper like English, the way it was written. Um, anyway, continue. It was written perfectly, except for minutes. Um, I haven't been at the ground, so I haven't, and I haven't watched. I haven't been watching any of the pregame show. I've um, just been starting at the first ball, so I haven't seen those interactions. But I welcome them. I mean, I just don't see that there's any reason not to. That you know, the, the one thing that you can be assured of is that they're all absolutely out there giving it their all. Like Johnny Bairstow's got a uh, probably a, a finger that a thumb that might be the most broken thumb in history. Butler's got a broken thumb. Bowling fell over bowling and smashed himself into the ground. Stokes has wrenched a side muscle. You know, they are putting in. So I think it's absolutely fine that before and after play that they can have a smile and a laugh. And that's that was always the grand tradition that, you know, you go hard once you're on the field and afterwards there's no need to go hard. You might as well have a, have a quiet beer with someone. So I think it's lovely. I, I absolutely 100% agree. I enjoyed it last year when India were here and there was a lot of, um, you know, friendly the same thing. You saw a lot of pregame chats and it was all very friendly. And I think it's actually a really good example for, you know, people that play cricket of how you should play, you know, play it hard, then have a laugh off the field. Yeah. Um, so, okay. Take this one. From Brewer 74. Is the draw still most likely as it says on Winviz? They didn't look like getting out this afternoon, but a collapse is still on the cards. I have noticed that about Winviz that uh, it has. I think it follows the general trend. I think everyone thinks the draw is more likely than it is all the time. Uh, so of course it could be a draw tomorrow. But if I had to put my life on it, I think I'd still be putting on putting it on an Australian win. The forecast is changing all the time, but last I looked, it wasn't too bad. I, I think we should get a fair bit of cricket in. Um, so We didn't lose a second today. 
I mean, True. it was perfect. It literally started raining as I was walking out of the ground. Um, exactly. And I think that, um, yeah, I saw in one of the um, one of the recent test matches somewhere, Winviz had the draw at uh, a much higher rate than I thought. So it seems like everyone is still mired in their 1980s mindset of, oh, it's probably going to be a draw. Sometimes it is, but <laughs> draws are pretty rare these days. So I'm tipping an Aussie win. Martin Lawrence, yep, Paul Hayden and his 200s was in 2002, or as I call it, the famous toss game. So that must be the game where uh, NASA sent Australia in. Yeah, you're um, right, Martin. And that's also the game that, uh, speaking of CrickViz, I think that some of the analysts from CrickViz have actually studied it and said that NASA has saying got that toss right, basically that England was so hopelessly outgunned, and I'm making these numbers up, but they basically said that they had no chance of winning that if they won the toss and batted, they had a 3% chance of winning. And if they won the toss and bowled, they had a 5% chance of winning. So, you know, cold comfort for NASA Hussain, but he got that one right. Yeah, it's what Steve War always says. Just whatever you do first, do it well. I think that was their problem. All right, ask me this one. From Jose Down, from Jose Down Under, do you guys think Labuschagne is an overrated batsman? He was found out by Woods extra, extra pace three times in this series. And let's see how he fares when he goes to India next year. It's a good question. I don't think he's overrated, but I, I just think it's really hard to average 60 at test level. I mean, that's why in the history of the game, very few players have been able to, to sustain that level of performance. Test cricket's not easy. Just ask Ian Chapel; He'll tell you. Um, how many tests did you play? He pulled that one out the other night. Um, so anyway, I don't think he's overrated, but obviously the more test cricket you play, the bowlers do work you out. That's why it's called test cricket because you know you're under the microscope and um yeah i'm interested to see how he goes in india actually i don't know if we talked on air but i i, you know, I know paul and i definitely spoke about that recently that it's going to be really interesting how he handles spin it will be in the he did play a little bit of white ball cricket for australia and india a couple of years ago and, and looked good which was heartening I, I i think i can't really add much to your answer man as i agree with it Thank you. Um, all right. Um, Jay Dutcher. Good to see Pekofsky make 40 today. Thanks, Jay. I didn't know that. How do he and Zampa fit into the subcontinent tour 11? Well, I think they'll take more than 11 on the tour. Um, Paul? But to be fair to Jay, uh, it used to be the custom that they would refer to the squad as the 11, that they would talk about the, the England 11 that came to Australia in 1902, even though they had much more than 11. So I'm sure he's referencing that. Um, I think that... Um, um, I just think if Pekovsky's fit, uh, he's just got to go because he's such a good player. Um, Zampa, it's an interesting one. His white ball record is fantastic. His red ball record is very, very modest, but he doesn't get a great chance to play a lot of red ball cricket. And, of course, playing cricket in India um, can bring a, red, uh, a wrist spinner into their own. I don't think they'll pick him. What do you think, Menace? No, I don't think he's a chance at playing red ball cricket for Australia. I think uh, Tanvi Sanger uh, has more more of a chance. Obviously, Swepson will go. Maybe Ashton Agar. They seem to invest quite a bit of time in him. And then Nathan Lyon. So there'd be the four I'd be thinking will go. Uh, I'd still take Stephen O'Keefe um, if he was around. Even Warney could probably still flick him out. Um, I shared a lift with Warney today. So I shared a lift today with Warn, Michael Vaughan and Howie. And... 
Uh, Warney was not happy with some of the abuse from the Aussie fans. They've been singing songs about his hair and stuff. And it was in front, like, it was all in good fun, but it, Warney was copying it. You know, it's a, he's one of those lovable rogues you love to make a bit of fun at. And he, Warney was, you know, he's got an ego like everybody else, but he was like, oh, mate, I copped it out there, didn't I, Howie? Bloody hell. Was he one? Of, he's funny because he sometimes takes criticism really well. Four out of five times he takes criticism of himself better than anyone, and then one out of five times he launches a vendetta against the person and wipes them off the face of the earth and salts their land. Which 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 of the the which end of the spectrum was he on? I think if there'd been a focal point, that person would have a target on their head. So <laughs> yeah, it was definitely going that way. And uh, I know that you've been um, very uh, socially distanced and, and being very COVID aware, and I know that not none of those three guys necessarily have COVID, but if you were going to catch COVID, you'd want to catch it from Shane Warne. Were you breathing very close to him just on the off chance that he might have it or that you could get COVID straight from him? That'd be quite a, a wonderful um, thing to do. Uh, it, it was very strange because I saw Howie in there and I just jumped in because, you know, obviously know Howie a bit. And then Vaughn was in and then Warne just jumps in just before the door closes. And all of a sudden you're in like a lift with these three, um, you know, superstars. <laughs> um but how we broke the ice hey manners so um anyway um so yeah it was um but yeah if you got covid warning be a pretty good person to get it off um i think that's it for the questions uh wh what do you think though about kawaj's future from here now um regardless of whether he plays in the next test match this has sort of sealed his um you know passage to pakistan and oh can i ask sorry answer that question i don't think Bukowski should go to the subcontinent I actually think I would would not take him on this first tour. Let him play some cricket here, Victorian Premier Cricket, which is and maybe some Shield, uh, because look, it's going to be a tough tour. They're going to be under strict conditions. Uh, you know, what if he gets concussion over there? Just say worst case scenario. Um, so I just give him a bit more time to find his feet. Um, and then, you know, there's other tours in the, later in the year that you can take him on when he's um, got a bit of um, cricket under him, his belt. Yeah, I mean, I suppose I was saying that they take, assuming that in the, in the matches beforehand he shows some form. Um, but I think that you can't um, put them in cotton wool. Plus, a tour to the subcontinent is probably, you're probably less likely to get concussed in the, there than playing in Premier Cricket back in Australia. Um, I, I think if he's good enough, send him. And he's such a wonderful player. We shouldn't waste time getting him into the side with the massive caveat that obviously he has to be in full health. Yep. Well, I disagree. Um, I'd like to see some more um, stuff from him. But anyway, um, I think that's one it. Other I one. Mean... Jose oh, yeah. down under said, Paul, how much money are you betting for an England win? I mentioned I had a bit of money on England yesterday at 130 to 1. That was just a novelty bet, just thinking I think they shouldn't be 130 to 1. Um, so my... My loyalty and allegiance is, is, is uh, with Australia. Beauty. Um, all righty. Well, yeah, so I think Kawaja goes to Pakistan now. I think he'll be – he's, you know, he could have a nice little um, year or two, a little bit of a sunset at test level. And I think that judging by the crowd today, um, you know, he's, he's won the Australian public over. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Yeah, but I think he's always kind of been been popular. And look, I mean, he might have more than a year or two. Um, the the form he showed, he's only thirty four. Um, he, he could have four or five years. You never know. Perfect. Um, all righty, everyone. Well, thanks for listening and watching. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Paul's going away tomorrow, so hopefully we can get a show together. If not, I'll do it by myself. 
your dream. Um, now, hopefully, we will have internet no. where we go. Um. <laughs> Beauty. All righty. Take care. See ya. On Florida's Space Coast, we think you can have the best of both worlds. Kind of like right now. Driving at your desk. Maybe at the gym. But you're also grooving to some music. Visit us and you'll go to the beach. And see a rocket launch. Or go kayaking and manatee spotting. It's all waiting for you on the only beach that doubles as a launch pad. Plan your adventure today at visitspacecoast.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.